creepies. Hey, Kay. Hey, Lo. How hey, are you? We have a special guest uh, in the recording studio with us today. It's Lola Butt. Little Lola. She's our mascot for the day. <laughs> Lowe's dog. She's a cutie pie. She's snuggling up on Lowe's lap right now just to give you all a visual. And it's the cutest thing ever. I've already taken like three pictures. <laughs> She's our newest member. We got her from the Detroit Rescue. And it's funny. I was just telling Kay that... Um, she was more for my daughter and my other fur baby, Phoebe. But somehow she wiggled her way into my heart. She's very obsessed with me. I'm the one that she clung to, like, from the very beginning. Probably because I picked her up, carried her home, drove with her home. But You're her savior. Somehow she's made me fall in love and she's now snuggled on my lap. Like snuggled is even an understatement like she is wrapped around Lo's arm right now she is obsessed with Lo I don't know she's so cute she's a cockapoo Maltese mix oh my gosh or a spaniel Maltese mix so she's supposed to be like 13 to 15 pounds I think she's like on the 17 scale but we're we're weaning her down we're getting her exercising and that just means she's loved. <laughs> yeah, we found out she was eating Phoebe's food when nobody was looking, so. You're a hungry girl, huh? Yeah. Well, for the first half of her life, she didn't eat. They found her abandoned in Detroit, so. So now she's scarfing it down every chance she gets. <laughs> same girl, same for me sometimes. <laughs> right? No judgment here. Okay? Right? <laughs> Um, so if you were not with us last week, you might want to go back and listen. This is a part two episode. We are talking about Danielle Stiliski from Farmington slash Southfield. It touches kind of on both cities from Michigan. It's a 2016 case. So if Kay is ready and if Monica and Dax are ready... Then we'll begin. Are you ready, Lola? And Lola's ready. We're good to go. So just a small recap for you. Danielle Stiliski went missing in 2016. And even though they had searched the security guard's house, they had for multiple evidence to go through. The police were denying that they had a full suspect in mind. But I feel like they do that a lot because they want to keep that door open until they're 100% sure. They were keeping everything under the vest, very hush-hush, trying to keep it out of the public eye up until this point. Now, we talked about how the security guard decided to keep quiet and stop talking about Danielle altogether, which raised a lot of the flags for detectives. Now, here it is, June 28th. 2017 an arrest has been made it was floyd galloway jr yes it was a security guard but here's the thing it has nothing to do with danielle apparently he was busy getting himself into trouble and well he was a very busy boy let's take a minute and we're gonna go talk about that real quick so in 2016, 911 gets a frantic phone call from a woman saying that she was out jogging. She was running down Heinz Park and 
she was off of Joy Road and Farmington Road. So she parked her car in the lot and then she went for a four mile run. She's actually training to do a marathon. So this was pretty normal for her to be running. She decided to take a path through a wooded area when she noticed a man jogging in the opposite direction of her. So he was actually coming towards her. So they looked like they would kind of be jogging like just past each other. Just as they passed, he did a U-turn, came back around, grabbed her from behind, and put her in a chokehold formation. He did eventually overcome her and was pinning her down on the ground, choking her, punching her. She did have a moment where she kind of like blacked out for a minute, but kind of came back to pretty quick. And as soon as she came back, she just started screaming, what do you want? To which Floyd answers, and I quote, I just want sex. Ew. Get a freaking prostitute then. Get your wife. Well, I know I she's take that sick. Back. She's sick though. Yeah. So, yes, I do take that back. Use your freaking hand, dude. Like, <laughs> I mean, there's many other options than grabbing yes. and pinning down a woman on the street. Yeah, like you said, even pay for it. Yeah. Or like go to a bar and like. Try to pick someone up. I don't know. Like, make it consensual. That's, like, the number one thing we're getting at. (laughs) Keyword. (laughs) Keyword. It's at this point that the jogger pleaded with him to not hurt her, telling him, like, please, I got a family. I got a daughter at home. Please don't do this. So something inside him switched. And he got off of her. And, I don't know, something clicked. And he took off. He had a change of heart. Now, she took off running and she flagged down two cars on Heinz Drive asking for help and that's where she called 911. When she got to the police station, they did a swab of her body. They took DNA, but unfortunately, because he wasn't in the system, there wasn't much to go on. And probably too, because he didn't end up raping her. He let her go. Right, there was probably like more limited DNA for them to even test. Which, you know, it's probably like a punch to the gut, too, because she's trying to be brave and come forward, and then they're like, oh, well, I'm sorry, like, there's not really enough to go on. But, however, she gave them a composite drawing of the suspect, and after it's completed, the detectives were like, huh, well, would you look at that? Would you look at them apples? Would you look at them, all of them? <laughs> because the detail... Of the sketch, when they were done, they were looking at the same picture as the one Mr. Floyd Russell Calloway Jr. looks like. Ding, ding, ding. Now, however, she did go to a lineup um, both times. She went twice, but she couldn't definitely pick him out. Which, this kind of trips me up because detectives are saying, like, they couldn't have had a better artist. Like... The face matched him exactly, like, very pinpoint to the T. Um, and, like, so you're like, okay, you have him in a lineup, which in my mind would be very obvious then which one he is if he looks exactly like him. So then my other thoughts, like, okay, maybe she's scared. Maybe she's like, well, if I pick him out and he doesn't go to jail, he gets off. Is he going to come back for me type thing? I mean, 
someone like going through that trauma, you never know what their state of mind is. So I'm just wondering if there was more panic inside her than we really know of saying, I can't definitely say it was him. Or there was a couple of guys that look very much like him and she couldn't do it. But they just kind of hit me. I was kind of spinning on that one for a little bit. Yeah. I feel like also, too, if I were in that... I mean, I don't know. I haven't been in that, you know, specific situation, obviously. But if I had to, like, pick someone up out of a lineup... I would feel pressure because I'd be like, crap, if I pick the wrong person, this person could go to jail. They could go to prison for someone else's crimes because I said it's them because I think it's them. But what if it's not them? And then I would start second guessing because I wouldn't want to like put an innocent person. That's kind of thinking too. Yeah, like... that, has to be, that has to be a tough situation, definitely. If you're not like 100% positive you're not like no that's the motherfucker and you're probably still spinning from everything that happened you still got trauma yeah you know you're scared to walk outside now you know 100 percent. so i just want to be clear that was no judgment in any way oh yeah that was just me kind of speculating like i wonder if the drawing was that good if there was something else right that kind of made her pull back a little bit yeah definitely So, now he's still under investigation for Danielle. He is in the detective's radar. So, with this new jogger information, did this just kind of give them that extra drive to focus on them? So, they go through the evidence and they run DNA off the carpet fibers from Floyd's house against the jogger's DNA. And wouldn't you know, there's a match. Ding, ding, ding. And so many apples. <laughs> they're just falling off the trees right now. <laughs> they also ping his phone and they pinned it at the park that day. Interesting. So, Floyd was arrested on June 27th. As he should be. He was charged with kidnapping, criminal sexual conduct with intent to penetration, And last but not least, assault with intent to do great bodily harm by strangulation. I wonder why it wasn't attempt of murder by strangulation. Because if he would have went all the way, it would have killed her. So is it because he purposely stopped and let her go? Maybe. Maybe because his intent changed, which doesn't really make sense because... He still had that intent at one point. But maybe because it was still in the passion of the crime. Yeah. I feel like that's like a technicality type thing. His lawyer probably fought it. For sure. But you would think it would have been like attempt of murder in there. Yeah. Because of the way he was going about it, you would think they could get him on that charge, but they must have finagled something on a technicality to knock it down. Now... Danny's case, he's still going through the criminal charges for that. They're still trying to piece that all together. Um, This Jagger's case, this was after investigation, working on the case. It come to connected with sexual assault cases from another female in Allen Park. And this was on June 10th, 2017. This female, though, also resembled did a drawing and it also resembled Floyd as well 
So come to find out, someone in Allen Park came forward as well. Well, good so, thing they got these drawings. Good thing he wasn't, like, masked up or whatever, like, wearing a ski mask or anything, covering his face, because the drawings is really what's save, saving the case. He's an idiot. Yeah. I mean, thank God he didn't wear a mask. Right. So thank God he's an idiot. Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I definitely get it. So now going back to Danny's case, they have him in custody. However, he is shutting it down. He won't talk about Danny. He won't say anything. He's pleading the fifth. He's refusing to even have a conversation about it. Investigators, you know, they decide they're going to go back, take another wide search through Heinz Park, looking for Danny. And by this, I believe they probably thought if he was at Heinz Park and he, you know, attempted the rape or whatever, it didn't work out, um, she got away. But maybe that girl just kind of fell in his lap. Was he there looking for scouting a place to put Danny? Is it a place he visits regularly? Was you know? So. Yeah, yeah. Why not check it out? Because you never know. After working with the FBI and FBI profilers, a lot of them said that um, serial rapists will go back to the scene of a crime. So we're kind of hoping that maybe they would catch some kind of evidence that he left there or put her body there. Just anything to nail this fucker. Right. They had 155 agents out there, plus cadaver dogs, FBI, everybody, and their moms and dads and brothers and uncles, like times four, was out there looking for her or anything. Her red boots, her black shirt, her jean jacket, like anything that would help the case. Now, the detectives did put out a statement going back and just reiterating that since day one, they found it to be a victim and they found it to be foul play at this point and they do not feel that she is alive. They feel that they're just trying to locate her body at this point and they did send out cadaver dogs and they sent out helicopters, vehicles, ground, in the water, under the water, like there was nothing that was uncovered. So, Farmington Hills and Livonia right now are the most dominant cities that are working together. And the criminal charges will be pending on Floyd. He is 30 years old. He's living in Berkeley at the time. But Heinz Park is where the charges are being filed. Saying that her body would be found there is the same possibility. So, I'm guessing that's why Livonia and Farmington will be the top two the top two they're also asking the public to look for a brown and white striped comforter which is funny because no one has really come out and talked about it if you look at the pictures they post on the news it's a white comforter on his bed in his bedroom the picture in this however is a little bit different so let me explain Eileen has a sister and she came out and told the detectives that they should be looking for a brown and white striped comforter. That was the comforter on his bed before they searched the house a couple of months ago. It was a brown and white striped comforter. So that day, the chief is not saying where he got the information from. The comforter is dangerously speculated. They can't even prove anything yet. 
but they imply that the information was given from Floyd's sister-in-law when the police did the raid of the house. Like I said, it was a white striped comforter. However, during the crime, before Danny went missing, it was brown striped. So they pull his credit card transaction and more evidence comes out. It shows that Floyd was actually purchasing a down white striped comforter for $100 at Bed Bath & Beyond. Now, the security cameras take it a step further and they show him in the store, walking out of the store after the transaction with the comforter. And it was on December 4th, just two days after Danny went missing. Interesting. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> elementary, my dear. Elementary. <laughs> right. So Eileen's sister, she would post pictures of Danny on Facebook saying, like, please help us find this girl. She was like, 100%, you know, we need to find her. There was no way that, you know, she was suicidal. There was no way she would run away. And they just wanted to find results. And she was 100% on Floyd's side in the beginning. Like... His, she was on his side or she was like, he did it? No, she was like, oh, he's, you know, n- nice enough guy. You know okay, what I mean? Yeah. Like, she wasn't thinking at first. That you he know? did anything. Yeah. But then she started to get a little confused and questions were being asked. And the family called and they told her to remove the post, take him down, leave it alone, drop it. So it's like, why are you trying to... St- stop me from helping find this girl right if he didn't do it he he, should be and if he like was friendly with her friend-ish with her he should be like yeah i want to find her like that's kind of like we want to wouldn't you want me to help find this girl alive so we can say look no he didn't kill her right so i think that kind of raised an eyebrow with her so now she's like what is going on like what are you guys not telling me and they're like, well, he just has nothing to do with it, so let it go. Shut it down. And she's like, why are we not posting pictures to help him? But she was getting no answers. So clearly Floyd's family and Eileen's family, they had his back, except Elizabeth Rose Newton, that was Eileen's sister. Now, Eileen actually, during the interview, she did go on to say that she knew him. I'm sorry, it wouldn't be Eileen. It'd be her sister, Mm. uh, said that she knew him for 10 years and he was a lovely guy, you know, the soft, gentle type. But on the same token, she's out there at flyers, Facebook gatherings. She's fighting to try to find Danielle against the family's wishes. But then later on, she has another conversation with detectives and she does admit that Floyd did give her some creepy vibes. Like, a while back, they had a conversation about how he was addicted to pornography and that he was actually kind of contemplating on cheating on Eileen. He told his her sister that? What the heck? If my sister's boyfriend told me that, I'd punch him in the face. Yeah, like, if Pat went to my brother and was like, hey, I think I'm going to cheat on your sister, my brother probably would be like, um, the F you are. And secondly, my brother would be calling me in a heartbeat and asking me kinds of questions and like, um, why and you know and yeah. what's going on. That's and a bizarre person to tell. I feel like is your 
your wife's sister. Yeah, because, like, if you're going to cheat on your wife, whatever, douche. But why would you tell your sister's wife that you're going to do it? Like, that's locker room talk, bro. Not your sister's wife. That's drinking with the guys. and That's very weird, yeah. Yeah. So, but that was months before Danielle got abducted. That's just another piece of him being, you know... She's just building up the the character review that they're trying to figure out. Yeah, it's just more douchery for him. Yeah. Is that a word? Let's make it a word. That I believe that's that's a word douchery. in my heart. Douchery. Douchery. He fits that word, so it works. <laughs> so there's also an alleged rumor that nobody can confirm or deny, but eyewitnesses did say that they thought that Danielle they either seen her or seen her car. At their residence in Berkeley on the day she went missing. Spishy, spishy. Which, whether she was there or the car was there, either way, that's... Clear evidence. Yeah, like, if they can prove it. Yeah. So, now, detectives were not really honest with the public yet. Again, this is, you know, alleged stuff, but Eileen was saying that her sister was in the hospital at the time... And Floyd has no way to prove his whereabouts. Everything is in question. So where was he? So they're still trying to push all the pieces together. So I don't think they're really asking the community for everything yet because... I feel like they do that. They hold back on things because they don't want to... I mean, one, they don't want an uproar in the community. Also, they probably just really want to make sure they have everything... That they need before it goes public and can ruin things or whatever. And we've talked about this before on other shows and other cases. And we kind of like scratch our heads. We don't know why. But I think they also get nervous of fake confessors. Yes. Like, which, again, I don't know why you would confess to something that you didn't do. Makes no sense to me, but apparently a lot of people do it. So I feel like... If someone's going to come forward and confess, they want to have some of the evidence that's not in the public. So when they talk about it, they're like, oh, well, we didn't say that. So now you got our attention. That's true. Yeah. So, yeah, they're keeping it under the vest right now. And they're just kind of playing out what they have because I think they just want to nail the guy and they're just trying to do it so they can get him like once and for all. Right. At the time, Floyd did not have a record. The only thing they knew about was that a minor stupid like DUI shit. However, Danielle's dad posted on Facebook thanking Elizabeth for all the help and time that she was putting into the search. Now, on the other hand, to try to stir some shit up... Um, <laughs> Floyd tried to put a harassment order on Elizabeth for slander and saying that she was harassing him and he tried to shut her down, but it was denied. Like, like how is she harassing you? Like, she's answering police questions, honestly, and she's just trying to help find this missing girl. That's not harassment. Yeah, and telling them, like, you're dumb, you bought a new comforter. Yeah. So, Floyd's wife did sit by him through all of Danielle's stuff. She defended him. But even Eileen had a breaking point, and it was all the rape charges. When that came up and the sexual harassment charges came up, she's like, enough is enough. Like, I'm done. I'm like, 
have cancer. I'm sick to my stomach. I don't feel good. I could possibly die. I don't want to deal with this shit. Like, yeah. you're a dick. Like, so while she was waiting for trial, she filed for divorce. But unfortunately, she ended up passing away due to her cancer in 2018 at the age of 31 years old. Oh, that's so sad. I know. Like, and that's... Imagine all the stress she was enduring right before she died, which just makes it more sad because she's dealing with cancer and dying, but then also has all this shit that she's yeah, dealing with. Yeah, I mean, with. knowing that I'm on my deathbed, I'm feeling sick, and instead of putting a cold rag on my face and, you know, falling asleep in a chair next to me in the bed, you're out raping women. Yeah, like, I mean, that's the most twisted thing ever. So, going back to Floyd and his charges... He was denied a plea bargain. He denied having anything to do with Heinz. He denied the plea bargain, I'm sorry. And then he denied having anything to do with the Heinz Park charges, even though DNA proved otherwise. So on December 17th, he actually accepted his fate and was charged with kidnapping, assault, and intent to do bodily harm, um, also with the criminal sexual conduct. Part of his charges was that he had to register for a sex offender for life. He had to read a statement in court as part of his plea. Basically, he had to read a confession out loud to the court. Also, with his conviction, he had 16 to 35 years in prison. Danielle's family was there in court to watch this piece of shit, but it wasn't for Danielle. But at least he was going to be behind bars to where he could not do this to anybody else. So, Floyd has been on the police radar for quite a while. It did come out that the police put a tracker on Floyd's phone, tracking his phone for 36 hours before they actually impounded him. It did show on a map between MetLife, his house, Berkeley, her apartment. It's about 14 miles between all three places. The police knew he to look for surveillance cameras and which areas they were at so they could pull all the cameras and they did see at one point it looked like Floyd was driving her Jeep. Now whether she was already dead at the time or if she was tied up at his place waiting for him, we don't know that. But it showed Danny's phone ping from MetLife to his place back to her apartment then after leaving her apartment again it lost contact and that was the last time they could ever verify where her phone actually was. Now, when you look at the surveillance cameras, it shows the Renegade, which is clearly hers because it had that same strip of mud at the bottom, pulling up to a stoplight east on 11 Mile Road at 503, which was about a half mile from the Berkeley house. At 7.56 p.m., the same shape heading westbound going towards Danny's apartment. So at this point, we're pretty sure that Floyd was driving, not Danny. And like I said, it would have believed around this time she was either dead or tied up at his apartment. They also know that they're not sure if he used her car to get rid of her body. Because, I mean, if you think about it, her cars are even have her DNA all over it because it's her car. Right. His DNA would be in the car because witnesses already said earlier at one point she did give him a ride. And um, when his car was allegedly broke and seen by Brandon Williams, the earlier witness that worked with Danny, 
However, when they did get a Jeep, they went over for evidence and they did notice that there was all kinds of evidence, but the passenger handle was wiped clean. Like, that's going to save you. Right. Just the handle. Just that. So whoever was in the car clearly was trying to clean something up, but whatever. So with this, it seems like Floyd is the number one suspect, and that's the one they're leaning on the most. They did have witnesses so far. They had the two of them from work saying that they watched them leave together. And then if you look at Floyd's resume of crime, obviously, up in court, he was already held up in court for a sexual assault on two different women, aggravated assault. So obviously that gives them a very high intuition that this guy clearly, it was just unfortunately bad circumstances with Danielle. And her dad, you know, said that she was so good-hearted that she probably seen that he was having car trouble. And because she was such a, a helper and, you know, caring, that that was probably her demise. So a couple years go by, and it's at this point where hope is dying. They no longer feel Danielle is walking the earth. They pretty much now feel that her fate was sealed with Floyd and they do ask the judge if they would officially just grant her deceased. Danielle had a lot of bills that were still coming out of her account and while her parents are trying to pay for it and you know keep up with it, it was a struggle for them because they had their own bills and their own life and you know stuff that they had to pay for and it was just starting to take a toll on them. And just, you know, going to our apartment all the time and that they eventually did clean up on February 17th, they had to face reality that she's not coming back. So they did adopt her cat. They took the cat and, you know, carried on with that. But I can't imagine Yeah. just having to go in our apartment and just clean, like, everything. Oh, like, to even just step foot in there would be very hard. But then to have to go through her things... And then, yeah, adopting her cat. Like, it's just, that would be a lot. It would be really sad. Yeah. And it's just, like, every time you think you're getting a little bit stronger, something else hits you to bring you back down. Yeah. So the judge did grant them their wish. Danielle Stilinski was pronounced dead December 2nd, 2016. So in the year of 19... 2019, Attorney General Dana Nessel took over Danny's case. She went over the two years of work, the time, the evidence, and she says, two years is a very long time to wait. She said, we're going to be prosecuting your daughter's killer, and we will not rest until she gets the justice she deserves. Nessel announced Tuesday during a press conference in Lansing that the man accused of killing Danielle Stilisky, former Berkeley resident Floyd Galloway Jr., would face first-degree premeditated murder charges in her death. Now, that was on March 2019. Nestle said that she took an interest in the case after she took the office in January. After several months of reviewing the evidence from Farmington Hills Police Department, she decided to file the murder charges against Galloway. That came after speaking to Oakland County Prosecutor Jessica Cooper who said something that she said that took place probably about mid-January. 
for me, I felt though it was enough was enough. There was enough evidence. Let's move forward. Let's, you know, crack this case. Um, she stated that the more you wait, the more issues arise. Witnesses start to forget. Evidence can start to deteriorate. Things start to become missing. Like, she goes on to say that the state has seen enough cases where charges can be filed and convicted without a body. Special Assistant Attorney General Jamie Powell Horitz um, will prosecute Galloway. Horitz has worked with Wayne County Prosecutor Kim Worthy in several cases involving sexual assault and homicide. Galloway is expected to be arraigned via video 11.30 a.m. Wednesday in the 47th District Court in Farmington Hills. Those charges were originally filed that Monday. Farmington Hills Police Chief Charles Nubis, he said that 77 search warrants were executed for the search for Siliski, the most ever for a single case. You said that in the last week. You're like, that's got to be a record. Oh. So you're pretty close. Yep. <laughs> um, and he said that was the most ever for a single case in the history of the police department. He said many departments provide assistance, including Berkeley, Southfield, Livonia, the Michigan State Police, Oakland County Sheriff's Office, and other office, local, state, federal agencies. There was a lot of team effort. So we're going to remind you what we have so far. They have two eyewitnesses. We know Floyd called the same day on unaccounted times. We know her or at least her car was spotted at Floyd's in Berkeley. Danny's phone was located at Floyd's house, her apartment that day, permanently going off the grid. Floyd was on the phone and it tracked. He left 10, that he left on 10 and on 12-2. After running an errand, it pinged at MetLife at 11 a.m. And then he went to visit his sick wife and was back home by 2.58. Text went out heading to work, not called in. He would have been there at if he not would have called in, he would have been at his shift from 3 to 11. So, I mean, alibi. Right. Um, the phone went back to his home. At 3.54, he was heading west towards MetLife. His phone then was from 3.59 to 6.15, his phone was off. Then the Texas believe that's probably where the murder took place. 6.20, phone kicks back on. It pings from a tower by his address. And guess what? So does Danny's. Weird, right? Huh? No. You sick bitch, you planned this. Now you can rat in hell and please and thank you. Floyd's phone is still on at 738 at his place. Now it's back off. 753 to 8.16 p.m. Danny's phone's on. And it's pinging at her place until 8.16 p.m. where it permanently went off. His phone is now off. Now 9.39, his phone is back on and he is at home. So now there's witnesses and footage of him in her Jeep heading back to his place and back to her place. Detectives believe that Floyd took her to her place, his place, and that's where he killed her. And then he took her body, drove it somewhere, and then took her Jeep back to her house put it in her normal parking spot that she always parks at, and then headed back home and made it look like that whatever happened happened in her parking lot after work. 
Now, for me, I want to say this is extra creepy because the part for me is, like, her normal parking spot, the way she always parks. Like, how long has he been watching her? How long has he been following her? Like, that's just, like, he's, like, stalking his prey. That's just a very big ick. Like, oh, God. Obviously, he was creepily watching her for a while. Yeah, that's... Like, the fact that he just knows just proves, like, how he's obviously been, like, maybe, I don't know how long he had been planning to do this for, but he obviously had been watching her close enough beforehand to, like, get to know this. And, like, my question is, too, with all the, like, phone pinging and stuff, what I wonder, was he purposely turning off his phone? Because, like, did he think about the location pinging on his phone or like why was his phone turning on and off so much i think he was purposely turning it off right he was trying to think like okay i'm going to turn it on when i'm home and then i'm going to turn it off when i'm like at her house and i'll turn her phone on there so i think he was trying to play the system but he doesn't realize you have to account for that gap yeah like you're an idiot i mean i'm glad like again we're saying we're glad he's an idiot because it obviously like lends to like the obviousness that it was him and who knows why he turned the phone on it could have been like oh i have to call and check on my wife real yeah. quick and it could have pinged him you know what i'm right. saying so or like i have to call off work did he call off from by her house or right by was his he house? in one of those like, areas yeah. yeah yeah super weird yeah so it's like where he tried to be smart, but he's just not smart enough. Yeah, he, he didn't think it through very much. Mm-mm. So now if you look at the radius of Danny's apartment, and you'll see that there's also a Tim Hortons right there on 10 Mile and Grand River, which is less than a mile from Danny's apartment. The detectives decide to pull the video from the Tim Hortons on December 2nd. And, well, lo and behold, Floyd is on the camera. When they asked employees, they stated that he went in, he bought a coffee, and he asked to use the phone store to call a cab. Oh, man. And there we go. So the cab picked him up at 9.05 p.m. Her name was Sylvia Morris. She testified that she picked him up. She said she remembered him. She drove him to the address that he wrote on a post-it note, said his car was broke down, and he needed a ride to his girlfriend's house. Pays cash and got dropped off at Woodbridge Apartments. So then they found that video as well. And it shows him getting out, walking towards the apartment building. He waited for the cab to drive away. Then he turned around and started walking towards MetLife Insurance Building where Danny worked, which is 300 yards down Telegraph. So now his Buick is already there on eastbound 11 Mile. Back home. Surprise! Now it works. Mm, Look at that. Would you look at that? Look at that. Oh my gosh. So on December 9th, detectives decided to walk the route that Floyd took from Danny's to Tim Hortons examining everything. And lo and behold, walking down Grand River Avenue towards Tim Hortons, they find Danny's keys. And remember we said it had that special little keychain on, a little smiley face? Mm-hmm. And there it was. It was in the grass near the highway entrance wrap. So it was probably just like one of those things where you chucked it out the window thinking, no, 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 we'll find it here. Right. Wrong, motherfucker. We found it. <laughs> yep. I say we as if I was out there searching. <laughs> we were in spirit. 
So they kept going, and on the other side of the ramp, they found her Fitbit, and along the same path. Now, the public didn't know about the Fitbit. Like, that was another piece that they kept to the vest. Um, they kept asking for the keys, and that was kind of like a confession piece. Like, if someone confesses, okay, tell me what you have. Yeah. You know? Um, so, again, with that, they have that small piece of carpet fiber, um, the scraps on the carpet, that was found in garbage. So it was garbage night, and Eileen's like, hey, make sure you take the garbage out. And he's like, you know, yeah, I will. So that's when he's like, oh, I'm just going to throw it all in here because the garbage truck's coming. Well, little scraps of it still stuck in the garbage bin. It didn't all go. Right. You know. So now they look at the DNA on it, and it's not blood that they find, though. It's what they call purge. And what that is, meaning that she was murdered most likely by asphyxiation. Asphyxiation. Yes, thank you. Yep. (laughs) And then due to strangling, smothering, or he hung her. Wow. Um, Which would have the purge, meaning the saliva from her DNA. Right. I know you hear purge and you think throw up. Yeah, that's where my mind went. So, if they can get the charges to stick, they can prove that it was him, and they should be able to charge him first-degree murder, premeditated, but a boom, but a bing, but a beautiful thing. Right. But, unfortunately, as of today, there's still no body, still no Danielle. We don't know if she was forced into the house or if she went in willingly, you know, thinking like, hey, why don't you come in real quick, you know, um, come meet my wife, you know, or, hey, you know... Um, do you want to come in and, you know, use the bathroom or do you need to, you know, wait real quick? Let me give you some money for gas because you drove me all the way out here. You know, you know, oh, come meet my cat. She loves cats. Who knows how he lured her in? Yeah. But because her DNA was already going to be in the car, that was hard one to kind of push for. But his DNA would be in the car. So... People seen him in the car, even though the door handle was clean, you you would think that'd be enough to tag him for the car. Right. Detectives do believe that he stated that Danielle was already murdered by 6.20 p.m. And that was by the time his phone came back on. We also know that he walked Tim Hortons, not clearly having her body with him. I mean... It would have been a heavy walk. Right. But, which means that she would have been murdered between 7.16 and 8.38 when his phone was off. Or when he was doing the drive at 9.30 when he got back home from his place for the night. So, if you remember, his wife is still in the hospital dealing with this cancer, this poor woman. If she only knew what her husband was doing. Um, that just means, like... That gives him a lot of time to do cleanup. Like, he doesn't have to really rush. Yeah, because like, nobody's there, like, watching him. Yeah, so while she's recovering, you know, he's covering his tracks and getting rid of evidence that he thought he was getting rid of. Clearly, as you can tell, he didn't do a good enough job, thank God. Yeah. So, in April 2020 of this year, I'm sorry, the year that this was. Yeah. <laughs> so, in April of 2020... The Detroit Free Press stated that 
They had got their hands on some documents, which shows upcoming trial for Floyd Galloway. The judge had made a statement saying that she was going to allow a ruling um, about a piece of evidence that could be used in the trial. Now, then his mom recalled a conversation that she had, I'm sorry, her mom recalled a conversation that she had with Danny about two months before she disappeared, just stating that Danny made the comment that Floyd, well, he was, you know, just walking into her car one day and he made a joke saying, hey, you know, I could make a body disappear. So the media found out about this info, um, a lot of info from this case by mistake. Um, so that kind of put a bee in the other people's bonnets, which yeah. kind of sucks. Um, on November 17th, a judge ruled that numerous pieces of key evidence that were gathered in the case, she wasn't going to allow it to be used in the court, oh, which that's sucks. such a bummer. Yes. Um, at one point, the Stilinski family hoped that Danielle would be found alive. Now, 60 years later, they hoped that you know, they just want this case to be over. They just want him charged, convicted. Over the years, Local 4, Karen Drew, has spoken with Danielle Stilisky's friends and family. And he shared, you know, their hopes of solving the case, getting closure. We don't want her to be out here like somebody's garbage or something. Danielle Stilisky's grandmother, Car- Carol Stilisky, said in 2020, she deserves a final resting place. Well, however, then pandemic and COVID hit. So that put another delay. Of course. And then, so this is the most updated that I could find. The Oakland County judge decided to suppress some evidence in Danielle's murder because of how it was acquired. In an opinion published November 16th, Oakland County Circuit Judge Phyllis McMillan said that the evidence linked linked to a leak polygraph administer to Stilisky's accused killer, Floyd Galloway, cannot be used in this upcoming trial because it was obtained through a violation of attorney-client privilege. Which I get it. The person that leaked it, the polygraph, he should have known better to keep his mouth shut. Yeah. Um, he was in his heart of hearts probably thinking, I got some information, but he ended up, Really sticking it to the Stilisky family. Right. Yeah. It ended up backfiring for sure. During the test, Galloway allegedly admitted to the murder, stating that Stilisky's body was wrapped in a brown and beige comforter, revealed that he had, um, what he had done with the keys, the Fitbit, the phone that provided details about the taxi cab ride he took, the polygraph operator, former FBI agent James Hope, subsequently shared that findings with Detroit police chief at the time, Gary Mayer, who then tipped off the Farmington Hills police chief at the time, Charles Nubis. This information from the leak reportedly led Farmington Hills officers to Stilisky's missing keys and Fitbit near Tim Hortons. Gallery reportedly said that he tossed them to obtain irrelevant security footage. He also alleged that he threw away Stilisky's cell phone in the trash at the Tim Hortons, though the phone has never been found. So, the evidence suppressed that the judge is not going to allow is the Fitbit, the keys, forensic data retrieved from the phones due to the leak, civilians footage from the records of Tim Hortons, testimony from Tim Hortons, 
the employees reportedly saw and spoke with, surveillance footage from the gas station near Tim Hortons, information from the taxi cab that Galloway talked to. Though Stilisky's body still hasn't been found, prosecutors say there's plenty of evidence to show that Danielle was killed by Galloway. That includes the DNA and other evidence reportedly found at Galloway's Berkeley home, additional civilians, video, witness, and testimony, and more. Galloway's trial is scheduled for March 28, 2023, prosecuted by Attorney General Office. Galloway is represented by Attorney Ellen Michaels. He is now serving 16 to 35 years in prison for the kidnapping, assault, and sexual assault of the woman in Hines Park in Wayne County. Uh, what happened three months before Danielle. Our family is disappointed on these results and will continue to support the appeal process and through an effort for the true story to behold. The public should also be aware that Floyd is currently in prison for sexually attacking a jogger that was fortunate to escape just three months before Danielle went missing. So I tried looking. I don't know if the the trial went on i can't find anything stating yeah that he was actually convicted for so i'm wondering if it's still on hold i'm thinking it's still on hold because there would 100% be like a news station a local news I station for sure would have posted so i went to reddit i went to i even looked at other people's podcasts to see if anyone did an update I went to Google, I went to YouTube, I went to everywhere that I could type his name or her name, and it doesn't say if he got off or extra time. It just states that he's still doing the case for the murder, or I'm sorry, for the rape charges. Yeah, I'm thinking it's still on hold, is my guess, because... There for sure, I feel like, if it wasn't, would be information, like, an update of some sort. It's, like, somewhere on the internet. So, as soon as we get an update, I will update you on if he finally gets convicted. Or if somebody else knows and I'm just blind as a bat and don't see it, although I tried. <laughs> Tell me. And then we'll we'll co-sign it and put it up there. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm glad that he's serving time. I mean, obviously, I'm glad he's serving time for the crime that he did. But I'm glad either way that he's serving time and he's just not walking free. But it does suck for, obviously, Danielle's family to know that it's still not completely, like, case closed, solved. Obviously, they, I'm sure, you know, allegedly he did it, obviously. But... You know, for them to still not have that validation and, like, all of the answers and for everything to just be finished, I feel like, is sad and I just has to be exhausting for them. And 100%, like, I validate all your feelings. Yeah, so that's a sad story. Like, especially, like, it's just crazy because you never know. Like, you know, she probably didn't think this guy was gonna kidnap and murder her obviously she probably thought he was just kind of a little weird and like had a crush on her and whatever but didn't think too much of it and she worked with him it's just you just really never know who's gonna do something like that like it could be the last person you think of which is just 
terrifying. And obviously, he's been planning it for a while. I mean, he knew where she parked. He's like, okay, I'm going to, you know, my car is broke. So he, he put together quite the plan. Yeah, which is just sick. It's just sick because she was just, she was young going about her life. Like, you know, she was going to literally just go hang out with her friend that night. And all hell broke loose because of some sick man. And I also feel horrible for his now deceased wife. Like, all the shit she was going through on her deathbed is just despicable as well. I know, and you can't even be there to comfort her. Instead, you're playing, you're taking advantage of her being sick. Oh, now's the time. Ugh, it's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, not a fan of his. Hopefully, you know, updates will come soon and he goes down for this crime as well. Because he for sure deserves it. You know, I would really hope that eventually he would just crack and tell people where Danielle is, tell her family. But unfortunately, I don't ever see them, him confessing and saying where she's at, which makes me sad. Because I would, you know, just want some peace for her family. Just, I know it's hard for her mom every night while she goes to sleep just to not, I mean, obviously she knows her daughter's past, but to not know where her daughter is at, like literally do not know where her daughter's final resting place is, it's got to eat her up. Yeah. Every night. Like, he's already in prison, and he already put the family through so much, like, he could literally, it's just give them some peace. Like, I mean, it's not even going to be a lot of peace, but just the last, the last you know part of this so maybe we can pray that it'll come on the trial he confesses where the body is and they can bring her home so i just uh pass on some little you know mini prayers for the family i know it's an old story but just still pray for peace for them yeah absolutely because they definitely deserve it going through hell with all of this but thank you for coming back for round two And don't forget to come back for next week because KK is going to take us down a very interesting story. You don't want to miss it. Yes. We will talk to you guys next week. So on that note, we got to go. Stay creepy. Bye. Bye.